Proverbs chapter 4, verse 7 is our key verse for this series. Now, look what the writer of Proverbs says, who the Bible calls the wisest man who ever lived. This is Solomon that we're talking about. In the beginning, the beginning of wisdom, he says, is this. This is where it all starts. This needs to be the f- number one priority. Get wisdom. And though it costs all that you have, if you have to spend all of your money on something, spend it on this, getting understanding. He takes wisdom and he places it up so high on the priority list. And I talked a couple of weeks ago about Proverbs, and I I really challenged all of us, and I've been doing this myself. As a matter of fact, today's Proverb is 17, chapter 17, and I I read it last night because I knew I wouldn't have time this morning to read it because I I was just, I get up at four in the morning and I spend spend the time before this service with the Lord and with my message. It's just, it's a habit, it's a thing that I do, And, and, and I knew that I wouldn't have time for my Proverbs. I read it last night. And I'd encourage each of you, if, if, if you want to take, if, if you want to step into this whole wisdom thing in a huge way, if you're willing to read the proverb of the day, read it for the entire month that, that we're doing this series, but then continue it on. And I guarantee in six months, you will look back and you will clearly recognize how just by reading the proverb every day, you are a different person. And one of the things that you will notice is that throughout the day, you will make decisions just like that, just like this, that in times past, you would have maybe even thought about all day or for several days, or you will be, you will recognize so clearly and so quickly what the right choice is. Proverbs is a big deal, guys. God has laid it for thousands of years, has preserved this so you and I can live in the benefit and live in the privilege of it. And, and for the first nine chapters of Proverbs, what it actually does, the writer, the writer of Proverbs, Solomon, he makes a case for Proverbs. He makes a case for wisdom. He, he, he helps us understand why that verse is true and why it is that important. And then chapter 10 He starts the Proverbs, and one at a time, he just lays them right out there, and they change. The subject changes with every single one of them. It's totally random. Some of them about our kids, some of them about our parents, some of them about our finances, some of them about our relationships, but one by one, he lays these things out there for you and for me. It's such a big deal. I want to start in the beginning there of really the first proverb. And then for a moment, we'll even look at the last proverb. The first proverb in in chapter 10, verse 1 says, the wise son, could I have those glasses? That'd be helpful for me. The wise son brings joy to his father. Thank you, Dave. The wise son brings joy to his father. You see, and, and then it says, but the foolish son, fool, The foolish son brings grief to his mother. Two weeks ago, I talked about the fact that there are four people that we see in Proverbs. There's the simple, just don't, doesn't know. And there's also a little bit of that simple in all of us, right? There's the simple, there's the fool, 
The fool knows but makes the other choice. And then there's the mocker or the scoffer. Now, the mocker or the scoffer is like the fool, but to, to the, to, to the, to on steroids. It's the mocker and the scoffer not only knows and does the wrong thing, but makes fun of everybody who does the right, or the right thing. And then Proverbs just lays the wise out for us, the person who is wise, the person who listens to these things and does them and clearly classifies them as the wise. But the foolish son brings grief to his mother. One of the things that you see over and over again is proverb, in Proverbs about this fool is that they despise. They actually despise relationships. They, they despise people who are doing what's right. It, it's, it's the one reoccurring theme with the fool. They all have relationships that they despise. And I looked up that word despise, and it, it, it actually means to, to, to scorn, to disdain, to be in contempt of, to consider worthless and unworthy of honor. That's our, that's our t- subject today, the honor all through Proverbs. This concept of giving honor is a big deal. As a matter of fact, the more you study God's word, all through his word, this concept of giving honor is laid out for you and I. Whatever you do, he says, even if it costs you everything, get wisdom. Get understanding. So the first proverb that we're given is a wise son brings joy to his father, but a foolish son brings grief to his mother. And the last proverbs, Solomon is actually writing, he's talking about the wife of a noble character, the wife of noble character. This this is the wife who is beyond the ideal wife. And look what he says, honor her. Honor her for all her hands have done, and let her works bring her praise at the city gates. Honor her. In other words, brag on her. Don't be be afraid to brag on her, to brag on your dad, to people who deserve honor, brag on her. On them, and in our culture, we don't we don't see this all that much anymore. In the political arena, we we don't we don't see much of that. We don't see it on social media. As a matter of fact, for to a large degree, we we see the opposite. And that word honor is is value or worth. This is what you are worth. As a matter of fact, in the Hebrew, in the original language in the Old Testament, it it means to add weight to, to add weight to, to honor, to value, to show the worth of. And to dishonor is is to not value as deserved. Honor is deserved, but if you don't give it, you dishonor. And we're talking on Father's Day here. And my my challenge to, to, to a large degree is to us as dads. Uh, there's, there's so much that we as dads uh, accomplish 
through our lives, through our family, through our kids, through our spouses. And, and for many of us, we didn't have the kind of dad that we feel that we should give honor to. But that's not what he's saying here. He's, see, honor, honor is not honoring someone just because of the way they treated you or not treat, they did not treat you and they should have. Honor has everything to do in beginning where God has placed them. We honor our dads because God has placed them in our lives as our dads. So much of our culture, we are not honoring people because of some of the things that we see. We see it in politics. We see it with the police department. We see it in so many areas. And, and, and there's this pressure on our culture. Honor begins with where God has placed them. Not necessarily how you see them or how I see them. See, theology. Theology is an important thing. Theology is, theology is why we believe things that we believe. Theology and scripture are the reasons for things. As a matter of fact, theology, the best analogy I think that I can come up with is theology, our theology as a church is kind of like the steel in a building. When you walk into a building, you really don't see the steel. It, 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 it's a, it is very necessary for the building to stand up and do everything that it needs to do, but for the most part, we don't see it. It's, it's kind of back in, in, inside of the thing. And, and, and our theology is the steel structure on what we believe. Our theology is the steel structure on, on what the Bible says to us and what it teaches to us. I kind of want to look at that this morning in in light of especially this passage of Scripture, Romans 8.30. Paul, the Apostle Paul writes this. He says, those he predestined, he also called. And those he called, he also justified. And those he justified, he also glorified. Our theology is, this is the doctrine of glorification. There are a number of doctrines. There's the doctrine of sanctification. There's the doctrine of glorification. And when Paul is writing this, he's writing this in the position of way forward in history, looking back. See, when this, in Scripture here, when he says, those he predestined, in some theology that I just believe is clearly incorrect, Some people will say, well, that means that God walked through history looking at, I saved this one, and I saved that one, and that one, and that one, and and he predestined those of us who are going to become a part of his family, and that's not at all what Paul is saying here. See, uh, Danny, come up here. um, Clint, come up here. Let's let's do, uh, where is, uh, Domingo, come on up here. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to use these guys just for a few minutes, and uh, they are not going to be who, who you think they are. I'm going to use them to be somebody else. Um, uh, Danny, why don't you stay right here? You're going to be Adolf Hitler. And you, this is the moment of your life. You're going to be Jesus Christ. You're going to be right here. And, and, and Domingo, come on over here. You're going to be the Apostle Paul, Okay. Listen, 
in, in all of Christendom from, from, from Jesus' day to the, 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 I believe that the best example of a Christian is the Apostle Paul, without question. Nobody even comes close. And so in terms of, the, in terms of this spectrum and in terms of this process of sanctification, the work that God is doing in our lives. The Apostle Paul, in, in this, within this span here, see, where do you, with Hitler being, is that right, who I made you Hitler, right? With Hitler being there and Jesus Christ being over there, where do we think that we should put the Apostle Paul? And we all have our ideas about where that should be. But really, the reality is, the Apostle Paul would probably be right about here. Because Jesus Christ is the Son of God. He is God, 100%, who came down to be 100% man. And that in terms of justification, in terms of this process of sanctification, this is clearly where the Apostle Paul and you and I, just stay right there, where you and I would be. Understanding this, and then Paul, as he writes this passage of Scripture, those who he predestined, who does he mean by that? He means all of us. He means everybody. Predestined means all of us. Because in Scripture, he says, he, the Bible says, he's not willing that any should perish. God wants all of us to come. Now, God in his foreknowledge, because he's God, there's nothing he doesn't know because he's God. So he already knows every single person from, from Adam until the time that Jesus Christ comes back. He already knows every single person that will be in the context of his family. But when Paul writes, those he predestined, that is not what he's talking about. Paul is writing about the doctrine of glorification. What does that mean? The doctrine of glorification means after Christ has come and we are now all with him, and then the scripture says we shall be like him and you and I will be like Christ. So when Paul is writing this, he's pointing ahead to the future, the time that we have been become like Christ. And he's saying, that group of people, not only have I predestined, but I've called them, I've justified them, and I've glorified them. Thank you guys for being so willing to come up here this morning. Not willing that any should perish. Theology, the, the, the day will come that the doctrine of glorification will happen. See, it's, it's not how we see them. It's how God sees them. You may struggle with who your dad was. He tells us in Scripture, honor them. Honor them. Because God has this, we, we, we struggle with this, but God has this ability to see everybody in their, in their complete depravity and in, in their perfect dignity at the same time. He, has, he sees what we came from and what he's going to do with us at the same time. 
And he looks at you and I, and, and we live in his grace, and we live in his mercy. You know, I, I've talked often about my dad, and, and I, I recognize how, how privileged I am. My, my father not only served as a pastor for 56 years, but, but he was our dad. For the five of us kids, all, all through our lives growing up, he loved us, made it clear to us that my mom and dad both made it clear to us that he loved us, was always encouraging, always building into our lives. I can remember points in my life, from one point where my dad said to me, James, he said, you can accomplish anything you set your mind to doing. I remember my dad building into our lives, you can do all things through Christ who strengthens you. I can remember my dad building into our lives. God has a plan and a purpose for your life. And you might say, James, I, I just didn't have that. And you're probably very right. You might not have had that. But the absolutely amazing thing about my dad is he didn't have that either. His father was the opposite of the father that he was to us. If you didn't have that, you have the opportunity to start that legacy. And I got to tell you, sitting here, there, there are some of you guys who I know, and you are those dads who are starting that legacy. Carlos heads our Celebrate Recovery. Carlos has shared his story with our church family. Carlos did not have that dad, but he is that dad. Guys, God has called us to be world changers. We're called to transform, to change our world. It's, it is such a huge deal. Honor begins where God has placed them. We honor our dads because they are our dads. We honor the police because they are the police. We honor our president because he is. We give honor where honor is due. Honoring them is also good for me. Honoring those that we're called to honor is good for us. As a matter of fact, I believe it has more effect on us than it does on them. This is what God calls us to do. And doing what God calls us to do is a huge deal. In Mark chapter 6, the way people viewed Jesus determined whether or not they got anything from Jesus. In Mark chapter 6, Jesus went to his hometown, and they treated him as just an ordinary person. They did not treat him the way when Jesus went to other towns, and they, they, wrecked, they talked about who he was and that he was coming, and, and what did Jesus do? He healed people. He rose people from the dead. The Bible says in Mark chapter 6, and Mark recognizes this, and he writes it all down for us. When he, when he went to his hometown, they just viewed him as an ordinary person. And Jesus left that town having done, no, did, he did no miracles there like he did in other places. The way you and I view Jesus, the honor that we give him will determine what we receive from him. In Ephesians chapter 6, verse 2, as a matter of fact, Ephesians chapter, verse, chapter 6, verse 1 says, children, honor your father 
and your mother. So he starts off chapter 6 in Ephesians with verse 1 telling children to honor their father and their mother. Why? Because it is right, he tells us. And then he goes on in verse 2. He says, honor your father and your mother, which is the first commandment with a promise. If you do this, then I will do this. And when God says that in Scripture, you've got to stop and get your act together and remember that this is God saying this. It's not your crazy Uncle Louie. It's God saying to you and to me, if you honor your father and your mother, verse 3, so that it may go well with you and that you may enjoy a long life on earth. Honor. It is such a big deal to God. He's serious about this. He is absolutely serious about this. And we think, well, you don't know my uncle. You see, he doesn't say honor your father and your mother unless they were not real good to you. He doesn't say that. He tells us to honor them, and he says, if you'll do it, then I will do this. You may enjoy long life on earth. Honoring them is good for me. Honor must be given. Honor must be given. Respect must be earned, but honor must be given. See, he calls us to honor. The reality is their respect is something that they are going to have to earn. It's like forgiveness and trust. You, it, when someone does something to you as followers of Christ, we're required to forgive, just like Christ forgives us. We're required to forgive, and we're required to forgive right away. But the reality is we may not trust that. Trust has to be earned. Respect has to be earned. It just doesn't come automatically. But we're called to honor and we're called to forgive. Look at look what Peter says in 1 Peter chapter 2. Peter says, submit yourselves for the Lord's sake. Submit yourselves for the Lord's sake. And when Peter wrote, listen, when he wrote this passage of Scripture, it was the Roman government, and, and it was not a good thing. As a matter of fact, the leadership of the Roman government from top to bottom was corrupt. Not only was the government corrupt, but the religious leaders were corrupt. They were, they were, they were not good people. And Peter writes this passage of Scripture in that context. Submit yourselves for the Lord's sake to every human authority, whether to the emperor as the supreme authority or to governors who are sent by him to punish those who do wrong and commend those who do right. For it is God's will that by doing good, you should silence the ignorant talk of people on Twitter. Of foolish people, I'm sorry. And then he goes on, live as free people, but do not use your freedom as a cover-up for evil. Live as God's slaves. And what he means there is as God's servants. And what he means there is you're living in the freedom 
of Christ. And when we live in the freedom of Christ, we live in his power, in his joy. We live in his love. He's saying live in that. Honor is a biblical thing. Honor is drifting away from our society. When we walk up to a door, we we should open it up and and let somebody else go through. It's a a part of my life. It's a a part of what I do. We'll walk up to a restaurant, and if there's somebody with me, I'll, I'll open it up and let them go in. Opening a door for opening doors for for, for a lady so, so that she can go through. We we should take the time to greet people. This is drifting from our society. I grew up in New York City, and in New York City, the subway cars were are jam packed. But I can remember time after time getting up from a seat and giving it to a lady who who came into the subway car. Guys, we need we need to see more of that in our culture not less. Ways that we can honor. Romans 12.10 says, be devoted to one another. There are 59 one another's in the New Testament. 59 times we are encouraged to do things for one another. He says, be devoted to one another in love. Honor one another above yourselves. How do we do do this? How How do we live this out? We place them first. Place other people above ourselves. Place them ahead of us because what's first is honored. You honor someone by letting them go first. Ladies first. At the buffet line. Let, let someone, and my natural tendency is not to want to do this. If I woke up to the buffet line and there's this retired couple, they're going to they're plop their plates. It's going to take them forever to load their plates. I want to eat. I don't want to wait behind these, these people. But letting them go first is what he's talking about. Look at Proverbs chapter 3, verse 9. In the NIV, it says, honor the Lord with your wealth, with the first fruits of all your crops. In the Message Bible, it puts it this way. Honor God with everything you own. Give him the first and give him the best. And this is not just a finance principle. It's an everything principle. What goes first is what's honored. It's a big deal to God. You know what the cool thing is? You guys did that this morning. Sunday is the start of our week, the very first day in the week. And and every one of us here this morning chose to take the first day in our week and spend it here at Camelback with our spiritual family and connect and worship with, because we sang every song, worship the God we cared about. And we gave in the offering. And now, now we're sitting wanting to know what it is God has for us to hear this morning. And every one of you did that this morning. You lived it out in your life. Number two is speak highly of them. Speak highly. Praise is the language of honor. We worship and praise God because we honor him, because of who he is. The same thing with the people in our lives. 
Praise is honor. And we live it out. How do, how do you speak? How do you speak about someone? How do you speak to someone? And the reality, we'll, we'll get home this afternoon and we'll say things like, did you see the dress that she wore? We, 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 will, we, will say, we will say things about people. Look, look what the brother of Jesus said, James, in chapter 3. He says, with the tongue, we praise our Lord and Father, and with it, we curse human beings who have been made in God's likeness. This is the principle of glorification. Out of the same mouth come praise and cursing, he says. And then he stops, and he, he looks you and I square in the face, and he says, my brothers and my sisters, because that's who we are. We are brothers and sisters. When we accept Jesus Christ as our Savior, we become his children. We become God's children. And so, therefore, we, as followers of Christ, you and I are brothers and sisters. I grew up in a, in a church where we called each other brother so-and-so and sister so-and-so. Everybody in our church, that's, who, that's how I referred to them. Uh, hi, hi, brother Charles. Hi, hi brother. Hi, sister. And that, that's, the, that, that's the way we lived our life. And the reality is we are brothers and sisters. He says, my brothers and sisters, you, we need to repeat this together. This should not be. Say it with me. This should not be. That is so, this is so hard to do when you're in your car and you're driving down the street. I, when people give you all the reason in the world to say something negative about them, we just need to not go there. In Ephesians chapter Paul, chapter 4, look what Paul says. He says, do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouths. Now, granted, the Apostle Paul never drove down Camelback Road, I guarantee. <laughs> do not let any wholesome talk come out of your mouth, but only what is helpful in building others up according to their needs, that it may benefit those who listen. And if you continue reading that verse, it says, so that you will not grieve the Holy Spirit. What's that all about? We forget that our body is a temple of the Holy Spirit. We forget that when we become a follower of Christ, the Holy Spirit, the very spirit that Jesus has, which he promised to, to his followers, comes and lives inside of us. I think he almost has to put his hands over his ears when we talk to the people in the other cars that we're driving by so that you don't grieve the Holy Spirit. We need to learn to speak highly of them. And what do we do? We protect them. We protect them. See, anything you value, you protect. If there's something in your life, in every area of your life, if you value it, you are going to protect. That's how I feel about our church. 
I value our church. I protect our church. This is our spiritual family. It's the same with, the, with your spouse. It's the same with, with your relationships. It's the same with your job. If you value your job, you will protect your job. Noah. Noah had three sons. After the flood, Noah began, they began to plant things and do things to, to, to once again return civilization back to, to the way God had designed it. And Noah, Noah actually planted a vineyard. And, and that, that vineyard grew, and Noah finally um, produced some wine. But Scripture clearly records this, this one incident where Noah got smashed. I mean, he was totally drunk. And he was so drunk that, 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 that he was naked, and, and he was laying in his tent naked. And, and I'm sure it wasn't a pretty sight. And his one son came in and, and just began to mock him. And he went to his two other sons and says, you will not believe what dad looks like. He is smashed. He is wasted. And, and he just began to, began to really talk negatively about Noah. Noah was a good man, but he did a bad thing. And his two other sons before they went there, they went and grabbed the blanket, and they each took the blanket, got up to the tent, and they each took the blanket, and, and they turned around by the tent, and they, they, held, they each held the blanket, and they backed into the tent and laid the blanket over their father and covered up his weakness. That's a perfect example of this. They were protecting their father's reputation at a point in a time when he was weak. I believe we need to do that more than we realize. I believe we need to do that with Jesus. I believe we need to protect his name in a culture where what they do with his name sometimes is unbelievable. As a matter of fact, John 7, 18 says, anyone presenting his own ideas is looking for praise for himself. But anyone seeking to honor the one who sent him is a true and a good person. There's, there's, a, there's a very clear message here, I believe, for us. We're called to honor people. We're called to honor those in authority. And, and if we honor those in our lives, we will live in the benefit of it. Is something, there's a takeaway passage that I want you to write down here this morning. The, the more I value something, the more I value something, the more value I receive from it. The more that I value something, the more I am going to receive value from it. Guys, that will work in every single area of our lives. It will work with our spouse. If you value and treat your spouse in a way that shows that you value them, you will receive so much more from it. If you value your job, you may be struggling at your job, maybe dealing with difficult issues, but if you will stop and value your job, you will receive value from it. It's true here at church. There's three things that are so important here in our church family. Showing up here on weekends together 
as a family, getting in a life group, taking that to a whole other level. And our life groups, for the most part, are taking a break for the summers. This is kind of a relaxing time. And, but being here on weekends, getting in a life group, and then serving somewhere here in ministry. You don't have to serve every week, but at least once a month, be serving somewhere. The more I value something, the more I receive value from it. I, you know, this morning, I, I almost want us to stop and say, God, we hear this. God, I hear this. I hear what you're saying here. And, and in the past, I've, I have not, we, we, in a lot, we have not honored. We've, we've not honored some people. We, we've not honored some of God's principles in our lives. And it's almost at a place where, Lord, I, I'm sorry. Help me get better at this. I want to close in prayer, and I actually want, I want not just the dads to stand. I want all guys to stand because the reality is um, we, we're, all, we're all fathers. Some of us are, are not physical fathers, but we are, we are fathering others. I'd like to pray with all the guys, and in the middle of my prayer, actually, ladies, I want you to stand too, but let me just... Because it's Father's Day, and by the way, there are four really cool gifts that are going to go out to, to four of you who filled out cards, and, uh, and as a matter of fact, as you leave this morning, there'll be ice cream for everybody as you're leaving, leaving our, our, our building, and uh, uh, it's just going to be a great day, great Father's Day for, for all of us, really. But Father, Lord, we love you. God, we recognize so clearly how you had a specific arena in mind for men. You love men and women equally. And one is not to be above the other. But your design and your purpose for each may differ in some ways. And in our culture, Lord, we're celebrating Father's Day and, and standing before you in your family here are guys, Lord, that care about you. Lord, I pray that, that as we all step into this day, I pray that we will all give honor to our fathers. I pray that we'll continue to give honor to our mothers to our spouses, to those in our family. Lord, I pray that for our entire church family, this whole concept of honor will grow richer in our lives in every single area, in our job, in our relationships, our friendships, in our marriages. And Father, in our relationship with you, God, we honor you with grateful hearts for what you're doing in our lives. Let's have everyone stand. Father, I pray your blessing on each of us this morning. We will do all sorts of things today. We will cook things and enjoy things, and, and this day will be special. But Lord, I pray that as each of us leave here from this time that we've spent together, that our lives, starting this day, 
that we will honor you. And Father, that we as a church family will be willing in every way to move forward in the area of wisdom, that we will pursue wisdom and understanding. Grow us, Lord, in our relationship with you and our relationship with others because of who you are. Do it in our lives, we pray. And everyone said, amen.